0: Welcome to this very, very, very special episode of the Combinate podcast. I'm your host, Subi Sade, and boy, it has been a while since I've done a solo episode, and I've been contemplating what topic I want to talk about because I've just had one kind of brewing inside me. And I decided on the topic of PPAP, which is the production part approval process that comes from the automotive industry, specifically AIAG. And the reason that I picked this topic is it hits close to home for me because when I first started out in industry, I just remember this kind of, this feeling of comfort that I got whenever I qualified a part and knew it was good. And so I kind of want to follow a outline of maybe talking about what PPAP is talking about why it's important, talking about some of the high-level elements that are really important. Additionally, if you have any feedback for me or the show, please feel free to send it. You can use the LinkedIn chat or you can use the form on letscombinate.com. If you're not already subscribed, please hit pause to the episode, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, and feel free to give it a like if you like it and I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Hello, Combi Nation. My name is Subi Sede. I've spent over a decade in medical device, pharma, and combination product development. Our industry feels complicated sometimes. Drugs, devices, clinical trials, submissions, sterilization, validation, design control, risk management, market access, reimbursement. The list goes on. My goal is mastery. So this podcast is to ask questions I have to people who may have the answers. Each week on the Combinate podcast, I talk to someone about their area to further understand and simplify. Whether you're a pharma person trying to understand the next wave of products, or a device person trying to navigate a pharma system you're unfamiliar with, or a newbie in both areas, I invite you to listen. And together, we can simplify by combinating. Before I jump into the meat and potatoes, I wanted to talk about my own experience learning this process. So I started out in a big, uh, medical device manufacturing organization where we were responsible for essentially design and development of, uh, hardware devices and hardware devices have many, many components, many, many sub assemblies and a lot of interactions and. I was being sort of brought up under the tutelage of a bunch of ex-Motorola manufacturing engineers. I was part of the manufacturing operations organization that was focused on scale up and commercialization. And so my responsibility was really on the design transfer front, taking something that's a spec translating it into production, ensuring it's scalable and can meet capability requirements that the, that our requirements are understood by the supplier and so on. Now, I hadn't known that this was called PPAP. All I knew is that the process that we followed was very, very similar to PPAP, but the link to PPAP didn't happen until way later. So in that role, I was tasked with taking specs. Communicating the requirements to vendors, ensuring that we had a common understanding, and then going through the flow of expected activities that would be associated with qualifying a part or subassembly for production. Now, moving forward, I then moved into a big pharma organization and we wanted to put together a streamlined, consistent approach for this type of work. And we had a best practices initiative that was being used to drive that consistency, and it was based on PPAP. And so what we would do is we'd work with some of the supplier quality folks, and we would actually train our suppliers on what our expectations were. And those expectations were taken directly from The PPAP process. And so, as I was going through one rep after another, working with suppliers, I started to think, Oh, I've seen this before. Oh, I've done this before. And it was just a really nice kind of aha moment when um, just kind of reviewing some of the training material for the suppliers, knowing that I had gone through a lot of the elements in my past, I just hadn't known what it was called. And This episode is not intended to be a uh, teaching course. I'm by no means a teacher nor an expert on this or any other topic. It's more of an introduction slash awareness, because if you were to try to list the quality tools that exist within our industry in particular and expand it into all industries, you would end up with probably a list of hundreds, if not thousands, I'm thinking of the Duran textbook. So on to what is PPAP? PPAP stands for the Production Part Approval Process, which is outlined in the fourth edition of the Production Part Approval Process textbook by the Automotive Industry Action Group, AIAG. As I'm not in the automotive industry, I don't know the background of exactly how this is utilized in that industry but based on the research that I've done, there is an automotive quality system uh, requirement standard called ISO TS16949, which outlines the uh, quality system requirements for the automotive industry, very similar to how ISO 13485 or ICHQ Q10 exist for the medical device and pharma industries respectively. There's an overlay of ISO 9001, which for the automotive industry is 16949. There is a specific clause in ISO 16949 that describes product approval process. It's clause 7.3.6.3, which outlines that manufacturing sites should use an approved procedure that's recognized by the customer for part approval. And does not go into the details of exactly how that should be done? Only says that the organization can, shall conform to a product and manufacturing process that is approved and recognized by the customer. That said. It doesn't exactly fit into supplier qualification in the pharma medical device sense, which uses audit, closing of findings, onboarding, quality agreements, etc. to ensure that the supplier has the capability to do the work that is outlined for them. Rather, this is more focused on material and product qualification. So... This kind of process is important from a design transfer point of view because it ensures that there's consistency and understanding of the requirements between the customer or sponsor. And it also ensures that between the customer or sponsor and the manufacturing organization, and it helps ensure that the manufacturing process that is going to be used can produce parts or product that consistently meet whatever the uh, quality requirements are. So a general outline of what the PPAP processes that I've seen look like is that the customer or sponsor will outline what requirements they have in the form of a specification and drawing. The customer or sponsor will then communicate those requirements to the manufacturing organization in the form of a documented technical review. And so what this looks like is that the sponsor organization will send whatever their PPAP expectations are, as well as the specification and drawing to the manufacturing partner. They'll digest them. In some cases, a training will be provided to the manufacturing organization on what the expectations are. And then a collaborative technical review would occur to ensure and document the alignment between the customer requirements and the manufacturer requirements. So an example of this would be a a part spec will be provided to the manufacturer with the PPAP requirements and a drawing. And there will be a discussion between the customer and the supplier to say this, what do you mean when you say no embedded flash? Or what do you mean when you say whatever the requirement is? How are we supposed to measure that? Is this type of measurement technique acceptable or is this one uh, not acceptable? Similarly, you would review the drawing and document an understanding of how the measurements are going to be taking place on the drawing, sometimes The manufacturing partner will also make recommendations to make it more manufacturable, but generally speaking, they've had the opportunity to provide feedback if it's a custom component and it's, it's not uncommon for changes to happen as a result of the tech review, as it, as it leads into the, the PPAP. But generally speaking, it's good practice to generally speaking, it's good form to have some of those pre-reviews done to allow for efficient technical reviews where there aren't a lot of changes coming up for manufacturability and assemblability and things like that. So once there's a documented understanding of the PPAP expectations, as well as what the spec and drawing are saying, the supplier will go and create the PPAP deliverables using their own system. And we're gonna go into some detail of what those deliverables are. But like I said, this is not intended to be all all encompassing or a training or anything like that, rather to just introduce a concept that I really like and love. And so we're not going to go through all of the tools, just some of them. Lastly, after they've prepped all of the PPAP deliverables, the supplier will work with the customer to have whichever deliverables require customer approval approved. And all of it will be documented in a disposition kind of form called a part submission warrant. Essentially, the supplier summarizes the qualification activities done, recommends a qualification level which the customer will approve, and then it moves into whatever stage of production it's supposed to move into. So, now I want to go over some of the elements that are really important, but again, not all encompassing. So, you can find courses on YouTube probably, or read the textbook from AIAG to get the full deets on some of these things, but as with anything in production, it all starts with a spec. Now, As far as the spec and drawing are concerned, speaking broadly here, they're generally approved by the customer first, translated to the manufacturer, and sometimes there's an additional overlay of approvals that happens at that transfer stage where both the customer and the manufacturer will approve them simultaneously. But during the knowledge transfer portion, in the, in the, say, tech review stage, one of the typical output outputs is called an annotated spec or balloon drawing, where the spec will effectively be ballooned, and there will be an agreement on how each individual spec characteristic or how each individual dimension on the drawing will be measured. Will it be measured in calipers? Or on a CMM machine, or using, or in the mold steel, whatever. And similarly, any type of testing that's expected. So that's, that's one of the really important elements. Nothing happens without a spec or drawing, spec or drawing. One critical element of the PPAP is related to manufacturing controls. So the, the, the PPAP process follows kind of elaborate. I wouldn't even call it elaborate I would call it systematic approach to how it has a risk based control plan which a risk based control plan which a process flow diagram is typically created either by the manufacturer or in collaboration with the customer as well that outlines the overall process Once a process flow diagram is created, a PFMEA is created where you would outline what all the failures that could happen, the effect of failure and so on. Typical manufacturing focused PFMEA. And then once you understand the PFMEA and the risk controls or excuse me, the risks associated with those failure modes, a control plan is created to address those specific failure modes. In my experience. For custom items, process flow PFMEA control plan are approved by the customer. And that is because the control plan is kind of like the end-all be-all for how the part is controlled on the floor. It outlines from a spec drawing point of view, what what are the operators actually doing with that part on the floor? And if, if the um, manufacturer is using kind of a paper-based system, the control plan is what goes in the production binder and outlines the sampling and the techniques used to ensure that the part conforms to, from a quality point of view. Next, we have measurement system analysis, test method validation. So these items are obviously critical to ensure that the Test, met- test methods and measurement techniques are appropriate for the context of their use and things like gauge R&R, attribute agreement analysis, tools like that are, are what are typically used on the, on the device side. And then last and certainly not least is I kind of grouped all these together. They're, they're actually separate items in the AIAG framework. These items are dimensional results, first article inspection, material testing and performance testing that they all kind of fit in the same category, which is ensuring that the material that is produced meets the intended requirements. Now, whether that requirement is a dimension or it's a material attribute or it's a performance test, those are listed as separate items, but it's really showing whether or not the proof is in the pudding. One important note is for uh, dimensional results, it's very common for this item to be called first article inspection. And then the last critical item is a capability study. Now, in the last revision of the AIAG textbook, they actually mentioned CPK and PPK or uh, short and long-term capability respectively. And and they have some some recommendations on on what the capability targets are for, for those types of items and the context of use, whether or not it's an established material with some changes and or whether or not it's a completely new new material. So there, there's some acceptance criteria there, but as always it's a it's a risk-based organizational kind of decision for how those kind of requirements are outlined. One of the more common mistakes that I've seen uh, made around these two items, first article inspection and capability study, is just distinguishing what the difference is between them. So first article inspection is typically an inspection that's done for all measurements on a print that's whether they are considered critical or not. And so the entire print is inspected against all dimensions, and a capability study is only done on critical dimensions. So typically it's an IQ or OQ at the latest. You would take whatever the article is off of the process and measure all of the measurements and then subsequently in validation in the final validation run in PQ or PPQ, you would do a capability study on the critical dimensions to ensure that they are meeting the capability targets. Since the PPAP is used as a communication and oversight tool, the PPAP textbook has a section in the part submission warrant that outlines the reason for submission. And so there's an expectation that you would do many, if not all, of the elements of the PPAP for an initial submission. But once the line is drawn in the sand and a a part is deemed uh, approved, then there is impact to that approval if things like engineering changes happen or a tool is transferred, or there's a supplier change or a material change, or if the tool has been inactive for a long period of time. And so it's not sort of a one and done activity. It, you know, the qualification of parts needs to be maintained. So as I close, I did just wanna say that I've seen this applied to both medical device and pharma manufacturers alike. I've also seen it applied At component manufacturers, sheet metal suppliers, rubber component suppliers, glass suppliers, and across the board. I think a lot of the tools that are in the PPAP are super relevant, but I have not seen the full exact kind of PPAP framework applied. I do think that applied as it's standardly outlined in the AIAG textbook is maybe not as fit for purpose for the life science industries as, as well as maybe it works with how automotive does their supplier management. But nevertheless, a lot of really good tools and a very good framework to use for adequate expectation, communication, and for ensuring that requirements are met. And I did just want to close by saying that I'll never forget that feeling that I got the first time. I just kind of knew a part was good. I knew what it, I knew what it meant to kind of be an engineer and know that something statistically good and will meet quality requirements. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any feedback, as I mentioned in the intro, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.